Antiva and the leftists defined for exactly what they are. COVID garlic? Mmm, could be. And Jews against Soros. Ooh, welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. Hey, yes, I know, I'm sorry. We missed last night. Uh, things were going on around here. Couldn't make it on the air, but we're back. That's all that matters. We're here now, and you're here now, and thank you for that. Uh, just a brief, quick, please uh, request, if I could, uh, right down here is a follow button. Just give it a click, and you're all done. We picked up a bunch of followers. We really appreciate it. Free for you, and really helps the show out a lot. So thank you so much. Just hit that follow button right there, and away we go. All right. Away we go also to let you know to protect your online activity with the best best and the easiest VPN you can find. That would be NordVPN. If you use our special link down in the show notes, you will get an incredible deal right now. Grab this deal before it goes away, which is three months free and 59% off. Can't beat that. That is a deal. Check it out, NordVPN. All right. Let us check in on our favorite little lady. That would be Miko, our just over three-year-old Shiba Inu baby. Where is she? Ah, there she is. This was uh, about two hours, maybe three hours ago. Uh, she's just sitting there guarding the palace. In fact, that's exactly what I wrote. I said, uh, surveying her kingdom. And Kane made the comment, Kane, oh, I love it. He said, the original door bitch. <laughs> I haven't heard that expression in ages. You remember you go to the club and there's always this big guy at the door who decides if you can get in or not. Well, that's what they used to call him. Uh, so anyway, yeah. And, you know, from the look on her face, I think you're right. That is exactly what she could be doing, deciding whether or not you're going to get in the club to party tonight. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, my. All right. That is the Miko update, which is brought to you by the good folks at BarkBox.com. If you use our link when you sign up for BarkBox, you'll get an extra month free. BarkBox is for your dog every month. You'll get a big box full of goodies delivered right to your door. It's got two toys, two bags of treats, and a dog chew inside. Sized right for your dog, all natural ingredients. If your dog has any allergies, they'll make sure you don't get that. And if there's ever anything that makes you not happy, couldn't imagine that happening. But if they have a 100% happiness guarantee, they will make it right no matter what. Their customer service team at BarkBox are amazing. Use our link, BarkBox.com slash Miko, M-I-K-O, and you will get that incredible deal from BarkBox.com. And the Jay Sheldon Show, by the way. All right. Thanks, BarkBox. Hey, I'm going to, let me, you know what? I'm going to do this live. Define narcissist. N-A-R-C-I-S-S-I-S-T. Okay. Define narcissist. That's hard to say. A person who has an excessive interest in 
or admiration of themselves. Yeah. Narcissistic personality disorder, a mental health condition in which people have an unreasonably high sense of their own importance. They need too much. They seek too much attention. They want people to admire them. People with this disorder may lack the ability to understand or care about the feelings of others. Now, keep that in mind, that definition, while we check out our lead story tonight. This is from uh, the post-millennial. <laughs> Far-left extremism linked to narcissism. According to a study, certain forms of activism might provide them with opportunities to, to get positive self-presentation and displays of moral superiority. As a study out of the University of Bern in Switzerland, and it's revealed that those who take, uh, partake in far-left activism, you know, the left loons, are far more likely to exhibit narcissistic personality traits and psychopathic tendencies. Uh, Alex Bertrams and Anne Crispins were the researchers, and they found that a lot of activists don't believe in what they say they stand for. They're simply using the cause to prop up their own perceived moral superiority and social standing. <laughs> In an interview with SciPost, Bertrams and Crispins explained, narcissists are naturally drawn to endorsing left-wing anti-hierarchical anti anti aggression via the dark ego vehicle principle that argues that activism can be used as a vehicle to satisfy their own ego needs instead of actually aiming at some kind of social justice or equality. In particular, they say, certain forms of activism might provide them with opportunities for positive self-presentation. In other words, an ego stroke is all they're after, and that's why. They don't actually support these causes. Man, doesn't this ring true. They made sure to note that involvement in violent political activism is not solely attributable to political orientation, but rather personality traits manifesting in individuals on the radical left and right of the political spectrum. Essentially, narcissists, people who are all, ooh, look at me, look at me, aren't I important, tend to gravitate towards whichever side seems to be more opportune to given a specific situation. This is amazing research. They uh, lamented the fact that while there has been exhaustive research into right-wing there's that word again, authoritarianism, 
I didn't even say that, right? Literature on their left-wing counterparts is rather lacking. This is insane. They have now studied these, uh, completed a number of studies on left-wing activism, including one which argued that those that took part in LGBTQ protests were more likely to exhibit pathological narcissism which can be described as an exaggerated sense of uniqueness, immodesty, and a desire for high praise by others. So when you see these left-wing nut jobs, now you know. Half of them or more likely don't even actually support whatever it is they're out there fighting for. They're just And you know, when you think about it, you go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because they're just in it for the attention. That's all they want. Mm. Mm. You see that coffee mug, the Jay Sheldon Show logo? It's on both sides. We got mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, all kinds of cool stuff. Jay Sheldon Show merchandise down there in the show notes. And also check out our AI art gallery. Some very nice canvas prints exclusive signed by me and limited very limited edition all right let us move on to this weird story you like garlic i love garlic i love garlic on almost everything and garlic is very very good for you i don't know if you know that but know that Garlic is insanely good for you. It'll cure what ails you, as my grandmother used to say. Well, there is a scientific study out, just popped in the last day or two. There's a type of garlic from Australia which can eliminate 99.9% of COVID-19 flu cells. Not kidding. Wow. Oh, look at that. Makes me, I can smell that just looking at that picture. Wow. Scientists in a world first study and now say that an Australian garlic could be the key to fighting COVID-19 infections and the flu. A study by Melbourne-based Peter Doherty Institute. Researchers extracted a specific ingredient the proprietary ingredient Super-G, sounds like a wrapper, from Australian-grown garlic varieties. The results came as a world first. The findings from specific uh, garlic varieties have proved to inhibit the SARS-CoV-2 and influenza type A viruses. Just this little element from an Australian garlic species. Uh, Dr. McCauley, manager of the high containment facility COVID-19 research lab, uh, said the team had assessed a variety of garlic products over the last 18 months, found a strain from Iraq, which was effective against COVID-19. By the way, it's not Iraq as in the country. There is a town in Australia called Iraq. Anyway, they performed several blind experiments and found one 
of Australian garlic producers' AGP products could reduce the infection rate of SARS-CoV-2 and influenza by three log fold, which is 99.9%. Says we could barely detect any remaining virus genome indicating nearly complete virucidal activity. Means it's gone. Yeah. Who'd have thought? after they jammed that clot shot in everybody's arm when they knew it was not effective. They forced people to take this ridiculous shot. Locked us down, stuck useless masks on our face, kept us a meter or two apart from each other and social distancing. Turns out, one of the most effective things against against it is garlic. Now, a specific part of a specific species of garlic, but nevertheless, garlic. Where's that garlic? Yeah, there we go. (laughs) Now I want to make something with garlic. Wow. Can you imagine? Read the whole article. There's more details in there. It is in our show notes tonight. We always put all the stuff we talk about in our show notes so that, uh, you know, you get a chance to read it yourself. You can look at all the details because we don't cover everything in the article. We just hit the highlights. All right. Speaking of highlights, hey, we've talked about this before. You know, some of these ridiculous, stupid countries that are, you know, all green positive and trying to do net zero bullshit. Um they have shut down their nuclear plants, which is (laughs) on the list of insane things you can do. That would be one of them. Well, we talked about it before that nuclear energy, fine. Ultimately, one of these days, somebody is going to find a way to harness nuclear fission. If you don't know, and I don't know everything about it, I know the basic 101s, But nuclear fission is very different from a nuclear reaction, which is what happens in current modern-day nuclear power plants. But we're moving forward, and once we have perfected this virtually harm-free nuclear fusion, we're done We're done with oil, we're done with natural gas, we're done with any other source of where we get our power and our energy from. Because this is clean, it has no particular byproducts, there is no danger. When you need to shut it down, you just shut it down. Not like one of these meltdown things. This link also is in our show notes. It's from the Epic Times, Real World nuclear fusion and by the way the type of plant you'd need uh, one about the size of a car would run an entire city forever startup company has secured over seven million dollars for the nuclear fusion energy machine that's not to say they've built it but they're gonna try a german startup secured millions in funding to develop a fusion energy machine which could potentially save uh, generate 
energy free from carbon emissions. Munich-based startup Proxima Fusion Designs designs fusion power plants based on the Stellarator concept. All these weird words I've never seen before tonight. With the first plant is planned for sometime in the 2030s. The company said in uh, May 30th press release just yesterday, um, Stellarator is one of the technologies that experts believe could lead to real world fusion power which would be an insane advancement for the for the, for you and me the human race they've raised 7 million euros about 7.48 million usd in pre-seed funding man somebody jump elon somebody with a big bank account jump in and give these guys some more money so they can move forward uh, current nuclear plants this is what i was explaining are based on nuclear fission, which harnesses the energy created from splitting atoms. Fusion energy is produced when the nuclei of two light atoms come together to form a bigger atom. And that is about as science wonky as I'm going to get with this, because I'll get in way over my head. But that's the basic 101 explanation for the difference between the nuclear power we use today and nuclear uh, fusion. Wow. That would be insanely good news if that happened. Can you imagine? Wow. Now, what is likely to happen is once these guys actually come up with something, somebody in the oil business will buy it Put it on a shelf, and you'll never hear about it again. Just like the car that ran on water, remember that? Mm, no, you don't, because somebody invented it, oil companies bought it, and shelved it. Hey, this is of concern. China keeps screwing around with our military around Taiwan. That's going to break bad really fast. I'm warning you. Don't say I didn't say it. I've been saying it for weeks, months now. They are getting ready to do something over there. <laughs> over here where I am, almost. And it ain't going to be pretty. I promise you that. All right. Hey, before we do that, though, we want to just take a minute. Give me a second to tell you about one of our lovely sponsors here. And this is Skillshare. Skillshare. Uh, if you're tired of scrolling through social media, you're not learning anything new. You're not being productive sitting there on your computer or your phone all day scrolling through Twitter feeds of nonsense. You want to expand your skill set. Enhance your creativity. Look no further than Skillshare. And I've got you an incredible deal. Stay tuned. We'll tell you what it is. Uh, their incredible instructors are so passionate about the things that they teach. Take a look here. Let me just scroll down through here. Always more inspiration to discover. Look at this. Graphic design, illustration, photo, video, animation, crafts, fine arts, lifestyle, productivity, freelance. This is just a few of the categories under which there are hundreds of courses, thousands of classes, one inspiring membership. Learn at your own pace, 
hands-on creative classes, real-world projects to create online classes that fit your busy routine. You can do it at your leisure and your pleasure. When you've got time, take a class. Skillshare makes real learning and growth possible. Experience from creators around the world, teachers, experts, pros, uh, industry icons, excited to share their wisdom, experience, and trusted techniques with you. Make your creative journey forward with Skillshare. The link in our show notes, which is down below here, use that link to go to Skillshare, find out more, no obligation. If you sign up for Skillshare, you will get at, month, uh, at least a month free, and there are other deals when you click on that link. So please do yourself an enormous favor. Make yourself more marketable. Make yourself better. Learn something new. Maybe you're just bored. It's not expensive. Check it out. Skillshare is the place, and you are going to want to definitely check it out with our link in our show notes down below. All right. I'm going to play this for you, but I am going to mute it. It's a news report, actually. But uh, yeah, okay, it's sponsored by Precious Gold. This is the newscast. And take a look at the footage in the very beginning of this newscast. This is from China in Focus. Caught on camera. Look at that. That is a Chinese fighter jet passing right in front of this U.S. plane's nose, calling it unnecessary aggression uh, over the South China Sea. China fighting back, saying the U.S. intruded on their airspace. I'm telling you, this is going to be a nightmare. There's the footage again. Let's just take another look here. Department of Defense footage from inside one of these planes. There is that Chinese jet. Look at how close. Buzzes right by there. That is insane. Take look at that. There you go. That is some dangerous stuff, my friends. That is not going to end well. And they just keep poking. They keep poking and poking and poking. And we're just going to sit there because you got a rotting lump of oatmeal in the White House who's not going to do anything except possibly get us into World War III. And you thought it was going to be Russia and the Ukraine. Think again. Think again. Oh, that is good coffee. You know why? Because it's blackout coffee. Oh, blackout coffee. Oh, my goodness, there's some good stuff. They found it on the principles of conservative values. Kick-ass coffee, amazing coffee, fresh roasted, delivered right to your door. But this is not one of those companies that, you know, is all woke and... This this company is an American homebred, homegrown company that supports conservative ideals, supports the United States of America and our troops and our first responders, men in blue, women in blue. They uh, are know the importance of hard work, patriotism, personal responsibility, family, respect. This company ticks all those boxes for us conservatives. You need to throw your support behind them. I got you a special deal and a promo code because I know you love those. 
This coffee is absolutely amazing. It is fresh roasted. And when it hits your door, it will have been roasted about 24 to 48 hours max before it got to you. That's fresh roasted. America's Strong Coffee. All kinds of great blends over there. The link is in our show notes. It will get you a special deal. And when you check out, use the promo code JS20. J-A-Y-S-20. You'll see it right over there. You see it down there on the green box. J-S-20 at checkout, and you will get 20% off your first order. Blackout coffee. Mm. I love me some good coffee, and that's exactly what that is. Amazing. I know it's 10 o'clock at night for me, not for you over there in the U.S., but for me, I drink too much coffee. 24 hours a day, I drink coffee. Mm. All right, a couple more stories. We're going to get on to our book. <coughs> Excuse me. Hey, you know, if you call George Soros out for being the anti-American piece of crap that he is, the first thing anybody's going to say to you is, you're an anti-Semite. You hate the Jews. No, I just hate old men who are trying to destroy our country. That's what I hate. Now take a look at this. <laughs> Jews Against Soros Coalition has launched after leftists say criticizing him is anti-Semitic. Hammer says it's dishonest to suggest that criticism of George Soros is anti-Semitic. Yeah. A new group's been created for Jews who are against the ridiculous extremist agenda of that moron George Soros, leftist infamous for his famous anti-law enforcement, led by senior Newsweek editor Josh Hammer and Missouri Attorney General candidate Will Schwarf, Jews Against Soros have pledged to fight back against the common left-wing smear that opposition to Soros and his sprawling network of political or organizations, any time you criticize any of them, you get called an anti-Semite. Attacking Soros for his influence on American politics to say nothing of his nefarious agenda in Israel itself is not anti-Semitic, the group says. It is simply a fact that Soros funds a huge proportion of the radical left in this country, and he must be stopped. Yes! Boom! And that from a group called Jews Against Soros. They're Jewish, so go ahead. Call them anti-Semitic. Knock yourselves out. You don't look like real morons doing it, though. You know what? You already look like morons. So, you know, it's just really not going to be that much different, is it? Yeah. All right. <sighs> it's a head shaker one. We call them head shakers on this show because you read it. You read, even just read the headline. And you go, that can't possibly be true. It is. Take a look at this from the Daily Signal. 
the Biden administration is telling adults how to discuss sex with teens behind their parents' backs. That's from the Biden admin. Very nice. Part of its month-long focus on adolescent health, the Biden admin is promoting a document that tells Planned Parenthood and other taxpayer-funded family planning offices how to talk about sex without their parents overhearing. This is from the federal government. I'm not kidding. Read the article. And how to secretly deliver birth control to adolescents without their parents' knowledge. That is your tax dollars at work. Your U.S. government federally funded guidelines instruct adults to pause before discussing sex with minors to ask, are you alone in this room? These instructions specifically give you tactics to follow. If you're having a really hard time getting a parent, leave the room during the sex talk. They suggest children as young as 13 discuss sex with groups like Planned Parenthood in a parked car or communicate in writing so their parents cannot hear the adults' side of the conversation. Now, A, your tax money's funding this. B, the federal government is not just supporting it, it's encouraging it. It's telling them how to do it. Remember, they're not your kids. They belong to everybody. Another perfect, perfect example of that bullshit. A federal grant recipient admitted the cloaker and dagger sex discussions is necessary because parents might not agree with some of the things we're talking about. Well, you know, in common normal society, we would call that a clue. Something that if parents wouldn't agree with it, maybe you should shut the F up and stop talking about it. The emphasis on shutting out adults comes as the Biden administration and 24 states are fighting against a lawsuit to recognize parents' rights to know if the government is enabling underage sexual activity by giving teens birth control. Yeah, it takes a village to teach teens about sex. No, it doesn't. Keep your freaking hands off our kids. We say it all the time on this show, and somebody's just not listening. What's it going to take? If you really want to get pissed off, click on the link and read the rest of this article. It is beyond the pale. It is unbelievable. Just another, just another bullet in the chamber 
on how they're going to convince you that your kids don't belong to you. This is... I have no words. I know I've had a lot of words, but what more is there to say? This is insane. Again, an attempt, because that's what communists do, to destroy the family. It's so obvious now. You have to see it. Here's another one. Gotta love this. Oh, you're gonna love this one. Billionaire funding abolish the police activists invests in private security startup. Yeah. Pierre Omidyar stands to gain financially from the rapid growth in private security. So he's funding the group that's all for abolishing the police, which would mean an increase in the need for private security. In the meantime, he's investing in private security startups. Billionaire founder of eBay, one of the most generous patrons of activist group looking to defund or in some cases even abolish the police Foundations connected to Omidyar lavished financial support on anti-police activities in recent years. Uh, in June 2020, response to protests over the police killing of George Floyd, funds tied to Omidyar's philanthropic network announced donations of 500,000, half a million, to organizations supporting the protest movement. And now this guy is investing in startup companies of private security. Hmm. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. I mean, that's just in your face obvious. He's not even trying. All right, we told you about the... Uh, stopping of the DNA testing. In fact, I think this is going to happen starting tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. They'll no longer be doing the familiar DNA uh, testing, which was one giant way that helped stop human child trafficking and sex trafficking at our southern open border. Well, here's an article from John Sullivan's Just the News site. It's another head shaker. Child trafficking expert says cartels exploit loopholes at the ports of entry, using it like a passport. Familial DNA set to end this month. Sex trafficking experts have told Just the News the crisis will get definitely worse. Cartels at the U.S.-Mexico border making huge profits from child trafficking and using loopholes in the federal immigration system to help them do it. Trafficking abolitionist and expert Jaco Buyens, Buyens, founder of the eponymous anti-trafficking organization Jaco Buyens Ministry, told Just the News the Mexican cartels have made the U.S. the number one nation on earth for child trafficking, in part by exploiting the ports of entry. 
Buyens claim the cartels often join with other migrants who gather at entry points along the border because the border patrol will not reject them. It won't turn them around. Incredible. As recently as this month, May, Blas Nunez Neto, the Department of Homeland Security's Assistant Secretary for Border and Immigration Policy, said the agency is not turning away asylum seekers at the U.S. ports of entry. Show up. I'm seeking asylum. Come on in. Here's a bus ticket anywhere you want to go. Here's a cell phone. Here's some food and money. Have a nice day. Oh, yeah, you know, here's a court date, but, you know, we know you're not going to show up, so it's just paper. Throw it away in the garbage on your way out. Buyan's others have been warning, screaming warning about this uh, practice of these cartel members trying to improve the likelihood of getting into the U.S. illegally by having a child in their arms. And now they're not going to be able to prove that's not your child because they're stopping the DNA, the familial DNA testing. Ain't that wonderful? Open the borders. Let him in. Ah, man. I got one more for you, and then we are going to head into our book. Uh, There is sound for this, so I'm going to turn the sound on. I know that messes up my voice, but bear with me one second. It's, It's worth it. Oh, man. You know who this old man is? This old man turns 93 years old today. That. I feel lucky. Punk. Is Clint Eastwood. Take a look. Listen to the end. <laughs> Knock, Knock it, it off. off. If, if that, that isn't good old Clint Eastwood, I don't know what is. 93 years old today. Wow. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. You the man, Clint Eastwood. <laughs> wow. All right, folks. Here we go. Time for our book. We are reading, we read the books on this show. We've done so many classics, The Wizard of Oz, mostly classic children's literature, The Wizard of Oz, uh, Peter Pan. Uh, What did we do? We did Peter, we did Alice in Wonderland. We did uh, Winnie the Pooh, all kinds of great books. And now we've changed gears a little bit and we're doing 1984 from George Orwell, mainly because we're living in 1984, my friends. Scary thought. But as you read this book or you listen to me read it, it's absolutely frightening. We read a little bit of a chapter at a time and we get to the end, we move through. Uh, So we'll continue on. We are in chapter eight right now of George Orwell's 1984. At this moment, his train of thought stopped abruptly. He halted, looked up. He was in a narrow street with a few dark little shops interspersed among dwelling houses. Immediately above his head, there hung three discolored metal balls, which looks as if they had once been gilded. 
He seemed to know the place. Of course, he was standing outside the junk shop where he'd bought the diary. A twinge of fear went through him. It, it had been sufficiently rash act to buy the book in the beginning, and he'd sworn never to come near the place again. And yet, the instant he allowed his thoughts to wander, his feet had brought him back here of their own accord. It was precisely against suicidal impulses of this kind that he'd hoped to guard himself by opening the diary. At the same time, he noticed that although it was nearly 21 hours, the shop was still open. With the feeling he would be less conspicuous inside than hanging about on the pavement, he stepped through the doorway. If questioned, he could plausibly say that he was trying to buy razor blades. The proprietor had just lighted a hanging oil lamp, which gave off an unclean but friendly smell. He was a man of perhaps sixty, frail, bowed with a long, benevolent nose, mild eyes distorted by thick spectacles, his hair almost white, but his eyebrows were bushy and still black. His spectacles, gentle fuzzy movements, the fact he was wearing an aged jacket of black velvet, gave him a vague air of intellectuality as though he'd been some kind of literary man, or perhaps a musician. His voice was soft, as though faded, and his accent less debased than that of the majority of the proles. "'I recognized you on the pavement,' he said immediately. "'You're the gentleman that bought the young lady's keepsake album.' "'That was a beautiful bit of paper, that was. Cream laid, it used to be called. There's, there's been no paper like that made for, oh, I dare say, fifty years. He peered at Winston over the top of his spectacles. Is there anything special I can do for you? Or did you just want to look around? I was passing, said Winston vaguely. I just looked in. I, I don't want anything in particular. Ah, it's just as well, said the other, because I don't suppose I could have satisfied you. He made an apologetic gesture with his soft-palmed hand. You see how it is, an empty shop, you might say. Between you and me, the, the antiques trade is just about finished. No demand any longer, and no stock either. Furniture, china, glass, it's all been broken up by degrees. And, of course, the metal stuff's mostly been melted down. I haven't seen a brass candlestick in years. The tiny interior of the shop was, in fact, uncomfortably full, but there was almost nothing in it of the slightest value. The floor space was very restricted because all round the walls were stacked innumerably dusty picture frames. In the window there were little trays of nuts and bolts, worn-out chisels, penknives with broken blades, tarnished watches that didn't even pretend to be in working order, and other miscellaneous rubbish. Only on a small table in a corner there was a litter of odds and ends, lacquered snuff-boxes, 
agate brooches and the like, which looked as though they might include something interesting. As Winston wandered towards the table, his eye was caught by a round, smooth thing that gleamed softly in the lamplight, and he picked it up. It was a heavy lump of glass, curved on one side, flat on the other, making almost a hemisphere. It was a peculiar softness, as if rainwater in both the color and the texture of the glass. At the heart of it, magnified by the curved surface, was a strange, pink, convoluted object that recalled a rose or a sea anemone. What is it? said Winston, fascinated. Oh, that's coral, that is, said the old man. Must have come from the Indian Ocean. They used to kind of embed it in glass. That wasn't made less than a hundred years ago. More by the look of it. It's a beautiful thing, said Winston. It's a beautiful thing, said the other, appreciatively. There's not many that say so nowadays, he coughed. Now, if it so happened that you wanted to buy it, that'd cost you four dollars. I can remember when a thing like that would have fetched eight pounds. Eight pounds was, well, I can't work it out, but it was a lot of money. But who cares about genuine antiques nowadays? Even the few that's left. Winston immediately paid over the four dollars, slid the coveted thing into his pocket. What appealed to him about it wasn't so much its beauty as the air it seemed to possess of belonging to an age quite different from the present one. The soft, rain-watery glass was not like any glass he'd ever seen. The thing was doubly attractive because of its apparent uselessness, though he could guess it must once have been intended as a paperweight, was very heavy in his pocket. But fortunately, it didn't make much of a bulge. It was a queer thing, even a compromising thing, for a party member to have in his possession. Anything old, and for that matter anything beautiful, was always vaguely suspect. The old man had grown noticeably more cheerful after receiving the four dollars. Winston realized he would have accepted three, or even two. There's another room upstairs you might care to have a look at, he said. There's not much in it, just a few pieces. We'll do with the light if we're going upstairs. He lit another lamp, and with bowed back, he led the way slowly up the steep, worn stairs and along a tiny passage into a room which did not give on the street, but looked out a cobbled courtyard, a forest of chimney pots. Winston noticed the furniture was still arranged as if the room were meant to be lived in. There was a strip of carpet on the floor, a picture or two on the walls, and a deep slatternly armchair drawn up to the fireplace. An old-fashioned glass clock with a twelve-hour face was ticking away on the mantelpiece. Under the window, occupied nearly a quarter of the room, was an enormous bed with the mattress still on it. 
We lived here till my wife died, said the old man half apologetically. I'm selling the furniture off little by little. Now that's a beautiful mahogany bed, or at least it would be if you could get the bugs out of it. But I dare say you'd find it a bit cumbersome. He was holding the lamp up high so as to illuminate the whole room. And in the warm, dim light, the place looked curiously inviting. The thought flitted through Winston's mind that it would probably be quite easy to rent the room for a few dollars a week, if he dared take the risk. It was a wild, impossible notion to be abandoned as soon as thought of. But the room had awakened in him a sort of nostalgia, a sort of ancestral memory. It seemed to him that he knew exactly what it felt like to sit in a room like this, in an armchair beside an open fire with your feet in the fender and a kettle on the hob, utterly alone, utterly secure, with nobody watching you, no voice pursuing you, no sound except the singing of the kettle and the friendly ticking of the clock. There's no telescreen, he could not help murmuring. Ah, said the old man, never had one of those things, too expensive. I never seem to feel the need of it somehow. Now, that's a nice gate-legged table in the corner there. Though, of course, you'd have to put new hinges on it if you wanted to use the flaps. There was a small bookcase in the other corner. Winston had already gravitated towards it. It contained nothing but rubbish. The hunting down and destruction of books had been done with the same thoroughness in the prole quarters as everywhere else. Very unlikely there existed anywhere in Oceana a copy of a book printed earlier than 1960. The old man, still carrying the lamp, was standing in front of a picture in a rosewood frame which hung on the other side of the fireplace opposite the bed. Now, if you happen to be interested in old prints at all, he began delicately, Winston came across to examine the picture. It was a steel engraving of an oval building with rectangular windows and a small tower in front. There was a railing running round the building, and at the rear end was what appeared to be a statue. Winston gazed at it for some moments. It seemed vaguely familiar, although he didn't remember the statue. The frame's fixed to the wall, said the old man, but I could unscrew it for you, I dare say. I know that building, Winston said finally. It's in ruins now. It's in the middle of the street, outside the Palace of Justice. That's right, outside the law courts. It was bombed in, oh, many years ago. There was a church at one time, St. Clement's Danes, its name was, he smiled apologetically, as though conscious of saying something slightly ridiculous, and added, Oranges and lemons say the bells of St. Clement's. What's that? said Winston. 
Oh, oranges and lemons say the bells of St. Clemens. That was a rhyme we did when I was a little boy. How it goes on, I, I don't remember, but I, I do know how it ended up. Here comes a candle to light you to bed. Here comes a chopper to chop off your head. It was a kind of a dance. Held out their arms for you to pass under, and then when they came to, here comes a chopper to chop off your head, they brought their arms down and caught you. It was just names of churches, and all the London churches were in it. All the principal ones, that is. Winston wondered vaguely as to what the century the church had belonged. It was always difficult to determine the age of a London building. Anything large and impressive, if it was reasonably new in appearance, was automatically claimed as having been built since the Revolution, while anything that was obviously of earlier date was ascribed to some dim period called the Middle Ages. Centuries of capitalism were held to have produced nothing of any value. One couldn't learn history from architecture any more than one could learn it from books. Statues, inscriptions, memorials, stones, the names of streets, anything that might throw light on the past had been systematically altered. And that's where we'll leave it for tonight <laughs> cool beans all right that's george orwell's 1984 we will continue that on tomorrow's stream hey please don't forget check out our great deals from our sponsors blackout coffee skillshare barkbox uh nordvpn they're all in our show notes down below and also right there is the follow button just give that a click it's free, costs you nothing, and really helps the show out a lot. That's going to do it for us. I will see you again tomorrow. Good night. Snort. <laughs>